Now dig this, Matt. Y'all know I love stationery. Y'all know I love to take notes. I love to write. I love to write on paper. I love to write notebooks. Matt, what'd you get me for Christmas this year? I got you notebooks and pens and organizers. Correct. I love it. Uh, And I find that it genuinely helps me remember things better as opposed to typing them or like putting them on a, like a text file or whatever, actually writing something down physically helps me a lot. It helps me organize my thoughts. It helps me get my work done. And ever since I got my new uh, iPad and I got the Apple pencil with it, I have been doing that on there and that's great. The only problem I've had with it, it doesn't quite feel like writing on paper, which is a feeling I like. We have the solution to that problem. That's right. Paper-like. As I mentioned at the top of the show, it's a screen protector for your iPad. It uses a proprietary technology called NanoDots. With those NanoDots, you feel the natural resistance of paper on your iPad screen. It is a paper-like feeling on your iPad. So if you're drawing, if you're taking notes, if you're using your iPad like you would a notebook... Here's the way for it to really feel natural. And Chris, I know you love that. You you have an iPad, you got a paper like, and I'm sure it's it feels just right for you. It does. It feels great to use. Also, Matt, you know I'm very particular about paper. I have yes. specific brands of notebooks that I will and will not use, and paper like feels good on the iPad. Uh they also make accessories for the pencil to make the pencil a little more comfortable to hold. They make uh, accessories to help you clean the iPad as well. They've got it all. The ability to handwrite notes in a digital form is great to begin with, but getting that extra tactile feeling that makes me happy while I do it, (laughs) that gives me that little dopamine, that little serotonin burst that I like to have, is fantastic. The latest version of the Paperlike is manufactured in Switzerland using high-quality plastic foils designed for maximum picture clarity. You're not going to lose any of the definition of your iPad screen if you put a paper-like on there. And these foils are developed exclusively for paper-like products. It also always comes in a set of two, so you have a spare. Look, we know a lot of artists listen to this show. If you're an artist and you're looking for a way to make drawing on your iPad feel a little bit better... This is how you do it. So, to pick up your Paperlike, head over to paperlike.com slash Ajax, click Buy Paperlike, and select your iPad size. From now, right now, until the end of January, Paperlike is also including their Digital Pro Planner Bundle at no extra cost for every order placed through the Paperlike store. Plus, shipping is completely free. So if you're ready to do more with your iPad, head over to paperlike.com slash Ajax, to get started. We have a list on our website, warrockandajax.com, called Every Story Ever. What we're doing is we're taking lists from our listeners of three comic book stories, and then we are placing those stories on the list from best to worst comic book stories of all time. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the War Rocket Ajax Every Story Ever special for July 2023. 
S- summer is here. The grill is fired up. The pool is open. The ice cream truck is in the neighborhood. And we're serving up rankings of comics. The best and the worst on a big old list like we always do. My name is Matt Wilson. Chris Sims is here. <laughs> That's... Sounds that never doesn't sound very dismissive. <laughs> why is it? Why? I'm Matt Wilson. Chris Sims is here. <laughs> I think that's exciting. You're here. I mean, I I'm glad that you think that. I also think that, and I'm excited that you're here. I'm excited that you're gonna be here soon. I, I physically, I will be where you are. Yeah, that's soon. what I mean. Yes. I'm also always excited when you are, uh, like, here on the recording, and I get to talk to my good friend Matt. Yes, and I'm glad you're here, and I'm glad we're ranking comic books, which is what we do on this show. Chris, sure is. Chris, would you like to give a quick state-of-the-list rundown? Uh, yeah, Matt, I can do that. Uh, we have a list of comics that we have been adding to for I I want to say seven years now. That sounds about, I think that's right. Yeah. 2016? No, we didn't. We did it in 2015? 2014 is when we started. 2014. So nine years? Nine years. Yeah. Uh, we have 1,466 comic book stories on the list, ranging from full 80 issue series to single panel Heathcliff strips. That's right. Yes. Which I regret making that a thing. It was a mistake. It was a mistake. Yeah. We made a mistake to do that. But they they are sometimes narratives. Uh last place is identity crisis number 1. Here's this is what this would give you an idea of where Chris and Matt fall. And when I say that, I, I mean like what the list is like that exists in its complete form that we are merely chipping away the marble to reveal as this list is unassailable and correct mm. in all forms. True. And except when we are surprised by it and want to revise it. Uh, coming in at number 10, The Last Days of Superman by Edwin Hamilton and Kurt Swan. Uh, that's a really good one. Uh, coming in at number nine, we have Berserk, The Golden Age by Kentaro Miura, a book that we talked about for two full hours. And the newest addition to the list. Yeah. Uh, we have All-Star Superman by Grant Morrison and Frank Quietly at number eight. We have The Great Outdoor Fight by Chris Onstad, the Akewood storyline at number seven. At number six, perhaps ranked a bit too high, we have Watchmen by Alan Moore and Dave Gibbons. Number five, we have Fantastic Four, The Coming of Galactus by Stan Lee and Jack Kirby. Number four, Mr. Miracle by Tom King and Miss Sherrods. A ranking I stand by. Yes, a ranking that is correct. A ranking that I stand by. Sometimes you get it. Sometimes you get the lightning in the bottle. Despite how we feel about other Tom King comics, that one I stand by. Recent Eisner winner. Yeah. Recent Eisner winner, the uh, Human Target, 
probably not going to enter the top ten. Was it? Well, hang on. Was it the Eisner for uh, best cuck story? No, it was the Eisner for best miniseries. And well, that's it is correct. It is definitely a miniseries in which uh, Guy Gardner is cucked and killed, and we know it gets reversed and is changed, and it's like part of a thing. I but it care. is still a thing that happens in that comic. Continue. Uh, yeah, uh, number three is Pluto by uh, Naoki Arasawa, based on a story by Osamu Tezuka. Uh, number two, also maybe ranked a little, maybe too high. We have Batman Year One by Frank Miller and Dave Mazzucchelli. Every time, I think it's ranked too high. Buddy, I just think about Jim Gordon giving Flash that baseball bat, and that is animal raw. I, I think about Jim Gordon crawling through... Is he crawling through snow and thinking about Sarah? That's that's in that's in Dark Knight. That is in Dark Knight. Yeah, Damn. I've Sarah. got those I've got those stories mixed up a bit in my head. Yeah. Uh, uh, number one. Number one is of course Spider Man. If this be my destiny, slash the final chapter uh, from Amazing Spider Man numbers thirty one to thirty three by Stan Lee and Steve Ditko. Arguably the last really great Steve Ditko comic. <laughs> I mean, look, am I wrong? Are there good ones after that? Yes. Are there really, really great ones after that? Eh, kind of no. There are some good issues of Amazing Spider-Man while he was still on that book for the next what, four or five issues? Yeah, it's like three more issues after that. <laughs> I think he's gone at 36, right? Thirty. I think maybe 37 was the last one. Let's see. Did he do more Doctor Strange after that, or was he like totally... No, I, think he was, I think he bounced from Marvel Comics. Blue Beetle came after that. He sure did. Yeah, he's 37 is his last issue. 38 yeah. is John Romita. Yeah, 37 I thought was the last one. So that's it. That's the that's the bottom of the list and the top ten. So that's where we are. Uh, Chris, before we get into the lists, I do want to say one thing real quick, because I've gotten a few emails from listeners, particularly line steppers, who have asked... They've tried to bump their lists up. Um because they think maybe we skipped over them. We haven't. We caught up. Uh, uh, I mean, maybe we have, but I want to let folks know that the list we're starting with on this special is from nearly one calendar year ago. Okay? Mm -hmm. That's where our backlog is right now. The list we are starting with is dated August 18th, 2022. So if you sit your list after that, please be patient. We will get to it. There is a backlog, and and we're trying to get through the lists the best we can. But also the talking is the show. So sometimes we only get through five or six lists per special, right? So, we're doing the best we can. 
we want to get to your list if you're a line stepper. We want to get to your list if you're not a line stepper. But we haven't done non-line stepper lists in quite a while. We want to so, we want to do all these so that we can finally go to heaven. Yes. <laughs> when we're finished with this, th- this is the work we have to do on Earth. If it's left unfinished, our ghosts will roam the Earth trying to complete this. We'll, anytime someone's recording a podcast, we'll try to get on the microphone and rank a comic while they do it. Mm-hmm. That's what our ghosts will do when we're ghosts. But... We're trying our best, folks. Please be assured, we're trying our best. But if you have sent a list after mid to late August of 2022, it's still in the queue, and we will try our best to get to it. Chris, are you ready for our first list? I am ready for our first list, Matt. All right, this list is from Philip Neff, and I'm just going to read it. Because I know there's not anything we can rank on it right now. Okay, interesting. One of the things we've already ranked, it's Goodbye Airy by Tatsuki Fujimoto. Uh, Which we both quite liked. That's true. Another one is Chainsaw Man Part 1, which keeps getting recommended to us, and I will read eventually. That has been a... uh, Kel McDonald, like, two days ago, was like, you should read that uh, yeah. after they listened to us talk about Berserk. We will get to it. I, I I have it queued up to read as soon as I have the opportunity to read Chainsaw Man. Uh, and there's also Look Back by Tatsuki Fujimoto, which is another one-shot, but we haven't read it. Uh, but maybe we should. So Phil also was recommended after we uh, talked about how much we really liked Goodbye Ari. Right, so Philip, we can't rank any of these right now. Chainsaw Man is like my next big thing to read, though. Please, please know this. Next up, Chris, we have a list from Patrick O'Duffy. The, who? The boss dog, Patrick O'Duffy. Thank you. You gotta say it right. He tried to throw off that moniker. He tried to denounce the boss dog name. But we could not allow that. We could not allow it. No. He you is the boss you dog. You get to say when you're the boss dog. <laughs> A b- boss dog is an assigned title. Okay. This, this is from... Again, almost a year ago, Patrick says this one was inspired by the DC talk in the latest comics catch up. I don't know what he's talking about. By DC talk? No, not the Christian. By by Christian rock band DC talk? Rap rock band DC talk. This list is called Mourn You Till a Bunch of Other Series Join You, The First Casualties of the New 52. Okay, so this was inspired by. The talk about DC, like particular DC comics. I think we must have been gone on a long tangent about the New Fifty Two at some point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, the first one on the list we've already ranked, which is OMAC numbers one through eight, written by Dan DiDio. Shockingly good. Ranked currently at number one thousand and two. Like unbelievable, how good that book is, though. Yeah, yeah, shockingly good. The next one, 
Patrick has for us is Hawk and Dove numbers one through eight by Sterling Gates and Rob Liefeld. Cannot say I read it. I certainly read one issue. Was it a launch title for the New 52? I don't know. I don't remember. I, I don't I kind of feel like it wasn't. Yeah, well... I think it might have been part of the second wave of New 52 books. I mean, I'm looking at this, and this says publication date, November 2011. Well, the first... Which would have been the first wave. Well, let's see. I, I kind of vaguely remember reading at least the first issue, so maybe it was part of the original 52 books. I read the first issue of all of them. I did too. I did too. Let's see. List of new 52 publications on wikipedia.org. Uh, okay. Hawk and Dove. I think may have been part of the second wave of books. I... I think it's part of the first wave, Matt. I don't think it's part of first wave, uh-huh. uh, which was DC's uh, attempt at doing the like their most recent attempt at doing like pulpy comics with like the shadow and the spirit and all them. Uh-huh. Uh huh. But I do think it was part of the first wave of New Fifty Two comics. Wolf, I'm l- I'm looking at this now, and a plane does fly into the Washington Monument in this. Oh no. <laughs> Yeah, dude, November 2011 is the date on the cover. That is, that's the new 52. Okay, because they actually came out in September. I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember the actual month of release was September. Here's what's wild. Uh, In June, some of those books didn't have creative teams. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty bonkers, huh? Yeah, we, we heard a lot about that. It's pretty bonkers, huh? Yeah, Chuck Awesome was writing a book in in July of that year. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, we didn't finish it, so we can't rank it. Sh- should we read and rank Hawkendove? If, if I'm going to read a New 52 book by the Rob, mm-hmm. voluntarily, right? it's going to be Deathstroke. Because of that scene that I talked to Rob about, where Deathstroke is like at his wife's grave, and he's wearing like a trench coat over his costume, and he reaches into his pocket and pulls out a picture of his wife. And when I say that, I mean he pulls out a framed photograph <laughs> from the inside pocket of his trench coat, and then reveals, and then reveals that he has previously, previous to this encounter, rigged the graveyard with landmines in case anyone attacked him at his wife's grave. And I was like, Rob, that kicked ass, actually. And Rob was like, thank you, I thought it was hilarious. Yeah, man. This this comic, exactly ten years after 9-11, has a plane flying into the Washington Monument. It doesn't, like, fall down or anything, and it's like a small plane. The hawk's flying it, uh-huh. and he goes, eh, can't all be winners. <laughs> Which... Sterling. Well, Sterling, talk to us about that, please. On, on to the next one. 
which is Static Shock numbers one through eight by John Rosam and Scott McDaniel. Didn't read that one either. Yeah, that's why these books got canceled because we weren't reading them. Yeah, because I mean, well, I guess there were a lot of books that that we were reading that did not get canceled that we sure wish there were. So yeah. you and I are part of the problem, but we were not. We were we got these books as comps. I think. I think we got him with comps. We did. We did. Yeah. All right. He does have three backups for us. I don't know if these are going to fare any better. Because these are all books that I read the first issue of and then was like, I'm good. Mr. Terrific, numbers one through eight? Uh, I don't think I read all of those. I certainly don't remember them. Black yeah, these are all the ones that got like the first, like like the first round of of, of cancellations were yeah. at number eight. Oh, yeah. I remember this. He had the tattoo. He has the tribal tattoo. Yes, it says the fair play. Yes, woof. That's rough. They were really trying uh, to do a thing. Like the tribal tattoo. I feel like I've said this before. I feel like this is maybe what. Uh, inspired Patrick to send this list in. What I've always said about the new 52 is like Marvel was like, we're going to do the ultimate universe, but it's not going to supersede our regular universe. The new 52 is DC doing an ultimate universe, but it did supersede their whole regular universe. Yes. Like Mr. Terrific having fair play tribal tattoos is exactly what ultimate Mr. Terrific would have. That's like, it's the DC equivalent of Peter Parker's bad haircut. Exactly. Exactly. This, this book has a bad logo too. Oh, no offense to uh, whoever, whoever designed that logo, but Wolf. There were so many bad logos. There were so many bad logos in the new 52. There were so many bad logos that, that Batman logo. Still baffles me that it was on the book. Like, truly, truly upsetting. I feel like that Batman logo was from a lost bet, or from a one bet, of like, I can design the worst Batman logo you could imagine, and it will still be the top-selling comic. And it it was true. Uh, Next is Blackhawks number one through eight by Mike Costa, Mike Costa, Graham Nolan, and Kefu. That's the one Chuck Austin was writing. I think so, yeah. I think you're right. Yeah. Chuck, like, it. if you go and look at the, that issue, uh, like, Chuck Austin scripted that first issue and then was removed from the book. And I believe uh, uh, Costa came in and, and, and dialogued over the art that already existed. Talk about a bad logo. Yeesh. Like, Enough of distressing these letters. Truly I, terrible logo. The the new fifty two. It's like the second worst DC Comics has ever been, and there's so much good stuff in there, but it's like so much of it is absolutely mystifying. Yeah, I mean. If you were going to do this big thing, 
you really needed a plan. And as you said, some of these books didn't have writers in June of 2011. Yeah, man. Wild. Truly wild. Uh, Finally, there's Men of War numbers 1 through 8, in which Patrick says, let's be real, you didn't read this and I didn't either. Nope. Nailed it. Sure didn't. Nailed Again, it. read the first issue, because I read them all. Yeah. Because I, I tried. I said, hey, hey, g- give, me, give, me, give me the best you got. Another 455 on a Friday logo on this book. You don't like you don't like that they put the uh, the little Photoshop filter on it. They they hit Q for quick mask <laughs> on that. Uh, Harrison is mad about Men of War's logo. Uh, yeah, this looking back at this, this is such a Call of Duty is popular. Let's make it, let's do a Sergeant Rock book that's Call of Duty. Yeah, bud. Oof. Yeah, Patrick, we can't rank any of these. You know what happens in this comic? The Sergeant Rock's uh, uh, commanding officer gets killed, and then he literally says, you're a Sergeant Rock. Great. Great. It should have been Mad Men. It should have been Stolen Valor. Sergeant Rock stole the real Sergeant Rock's name. <laughs> oh, I thought you were saying it should have been um, that guy who wrote Stormwatch. Oh, that too. Yes. <laughs> it said he was Special Forces or whatever and was not. And was not, yeah. I haven't heard from that guy in a while. I wonder why. I mean, I think I know why. Patrick, sorry. Can't rank a single one of those. Uh, All right, Chris, our next list is from uh, Paul S. Because these are some strips, uh, or these are some strips by, Popeye strips by Randy Milholland. Okay, interesting. Not a a Popeye creator I'm familiar with. I've read a bunch of E.C. Seeger stuff, and I've read uh, a bunch of the uh, John Rogers. Yeah, these are recent... Popeye strips. Okay. All right. I'm ready. Popeye. I'm ready for this experiment. Hey, don't send us strips anymore. <laughs> All right. Th- these were attached to the email as image files, so I'm sending those to you. Okay. Uh, the first one is Popeye's Cartoon Clubhouse from June 10th, 2020. That's pretty good. That's it's pretty good. Panel one, Popeye's punching Bluto. Panel two, Popeye's well, punching. Well, also, also Sweet, Sweet Pea is, is cheering Popeye on in the yeah. background. Panel two, Popeye's punching a sea monster. Sweet Pea is sitting in the background of that one looking kind of amazed. Panel three, Popeye is punching like a cyclops. They're like in a cave. Popeye is punching a cyclops right in the dick. It's not. It's in the stomach. He's punching him right in the dick. <laughs> Matt, he doesn't have that kind of technology. <laughs> uh, and then that one, Sweet Pea, is in the background in a treasure chest 
full of gold, looking almost concerned. And then in the last panel, Popeye and Sweet Pea are at home. Sweet Pea, who is a baby, is holding an Xbox controller. And I know for sure that that's an Xbox controller based on the color and design. Really? Because I was think I, like I was actually thinking the way he's holding it, it kind of looks like an N sixty four controller, but that's just the the way the shadows are falling. No wire. No wire. No wire. Yeah. Uh, and Popeye uh, in the last panel says, "I don't like you playing video games or video games. Kids shouldn't be exposed to violence." It's a pretty good gag. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Here's here's what I'm going to throw out there. That's not a story, that's a joke. I know, and look, I know, now I know what you're going to say. You're going to say, Chris, I, we, this, we, have, we have gone, we have made this ruling already. Story decisis is what I'm going to say. Here's what I'm saying. This is not a story, it's a joke. It's just... It's not a story. And I know that, look, I know you're saying, Chris, you, I I can hear you, I can hear you getting mad. (laughs) Are you talking to me me or to the listeners? You, Matt Wilson, I can hear you getting mad. I'm not, I'm not mad. Look, I would love to. (laughs) I'm not mad. I I just think it's funny, actually. I'm not mad. I'm just turning into a corn cop. No, <laughs> I'm not. I'm not mad. I I'm thinking about the listeners who are going to say you've ranked stuff like this before. That's all. I did. Starry decisis, as I said, there is precedent for ranking. Like. Yes, it is it is debatable whether this is a story. But it what does I'm saying, mm, mm, mm. What I'm saying is I feel like the argument is going to be that we have ranked things that I have really gone to bat to rank things that are that that are of similar narrative quality in terms of being a story to this. And now I am saying that it's not a story. And here is what I say to that. Yeah, it's, it's, it's our show. It's our show. So, so you're, what you're I, I don't doing, want to do it. I don't, I don't have to do it because it's our show. So what you're doing is setting a new precedent. That if I don't want to do it, I don't have to do it? Yeah. Pretty much, yeah. Okay. Okay, I will go along with it. I Personally, I'm not mad about it at all, because I don't want to rank strips like this anymore either. <laughs> ever since we didn't rank Cal Tools, I'm like... Do it. Ever since we didn't rank Cal Tools, I'm like, we shouldn't rank any comic strip at all. So, Tools is not a story, Matt. We had this debate already. I know. And, and what I'm like, I don't think this is bad. I think you know, great. Like, I'm not saying anything negative about it. You and I agree. 
It's a funny gag. It's a good bit. Yeah, it's a good bit. It's not a story. All right, well. It's just a joke. Well, we have two more Popeye strips to look at. Okay, and I know I, I see this one's a Sunday strip. Yes, these are so, both your Sunday strips. So we can so, determine whether we consider these to be stories or not, okay? Okay, all right. This is Popeye from August 21st, 2022. It's and the day after Benito's birthday last year. Correct. And it starts with Popeye talking to Pappy and saying, I got to chat with some swabs who dined and dashed on Rough House. And Pappy says, go on, I can entertain myself. And then he thinks, especially since I figured out the passcode to Popeye's phone. Popeye has a smartphone now. (laughs) Millennials, am I right? Mm. Then at Popeye's house, Pappy shows up and says, boy, explain yourself. I'm in your phone. I saw us all them, all them sex, sex, <laughs> I saw all them nudes. <laughs> you've been sen- all them dick, dick, dick that you've been sending olive oil. Safari was in private mode. Matt, can I ask you? Can I set that bar real quick? Yeah, please. Listeners, you're welcome to this sidebar. I don't think you're going to want to be here. So, please begin the sidebar. So Popeye's dick is shaped like his forearm, right? I think it's shaped like his whole arm. So it's like... like, What I'm saying is it's like big in the middle. It's thin at the base. Uh Uh-huh. And then there's a big bulbous lump like his forearm near the top. And yeah, it's a hundred percent yes. Okay, do you think there's a tattoo of an acre? Do you think? Do you think it's just? It basically just looks like his arm down there, except for the very tip. Yeah. Yeah. I, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And look, we can we can we can both agree. Popeyes, Popeyes, fucking packing right. <laughs> I Back mean, when I worked at the comic book store, we did occasionally have the conversation of, like, because, look, we were a bunch of dudes in our 20s trying to kill time at a retail job. Sure. Don't fucking at me <laughs> about this. Um, But, like, we did have the, like, who, who's who's packing heat in our favorite comics uh, conversation. And I, I gotta say, like, the usual winner was Conan. Because you know. Well, see, here's the thing. Conan could pull just on basis of, like, physique and aura, right? You got to think about the guys who it's like, how did he get together with a lover if he doesn't have much in the way of looks? So that that exp- that's what explains Popeye to me. Hang on, hang on, hang on. <laughs> so you're thinking olive oil is way out of his he's punching out of his weight class with olive oil. A hundred percent, he is. I think they seem pretty evenly matched. Look at him. Look at Popeye. <laughs> he's a wreck. 
What are you talking about? Look at those calves. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we all know Reed Richards, either naturally or unnaturally, is is making himself packed down there. See, I, I think that's one that could go either way because you know, like, like he's 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 gonna he's gonna experiment. You know, he's gonna fi- he's gonna find he's gonna observe. And and find out what you like. Sure, yeah. He he will tailor himself to his his partner's needs. Yeah. I I mean the the character I know for sure is packing is Peter Parker because why would anybody stay with him? On the one hand, yes. On the other hand, he has the proportional agility of a spider. Fair. Fair. But I mean, I think like like look, I agree with you. Um, is this good? Are you going to leave this in? Uh, yes. Wow. Okay. All sidebar, right. sidebar over. Pappy's mad because he's in Popeye's phone as Pappy, and Popeye says, "Why do you has me phone?" And Pappy says, "You got someone else in here as in your phone as Dad," and. Popeye says, that's Whaler Joe. And Pappy says, and what did he do to deserve to be called dad? Popeye says, he raised me while you was chasing mermaids and Ma was chasing you. And Pappy says, here we go again. Poor little Orphic Popeye. How will he ever recover? Get over it. We all had bad childhoods. I sure did. I'll never forget the awful thing me pa said to me. And then there's a flashback to Pappy's dad saying, to Pappy, me son, I love you, but I you need to know you ain't the center of the world. Others people, other people's matter too. And then Pappy says, "Worst part, I think he means get." Uh, and then uh, oh, and also Popeye is fighting a guy during all of that. Mm-hmm. And then one of the guys he hit says, "Maybe I'm biased, but I'm not sure you've been socking the right person." As if to imply he should be punching his dad. As if to imply that he should be punching his father in the face. Yeah. I think this is a joke about boomers. I think I think this is a joke about boomers. Also, um, as the writer, uh, the, the, the co-writer of a comic where both of us thought it was truly hilarious that we ended it with uh, a guy just beating the living shit out of his dad. <laughs> <laughs> for being an asshole. Uh-huh. Um sometimes sometimes parents do be like that. That's true. Sometimes parents do be like that. Does this one qualify as a story? This is a story. And okay. this is good. Like so many good jokes in this. Uh the visual like, gag of Popeye fighting multiple people while talking to his dad is funny. Well, while like just saying things that, like sentences that end in periods. That's right. It's all like, Oh, that's Wheeler Joe. Oh, actually, you know what? Maybe he doesn't, the, the short guy in the last panel, maybe he doesn't mean his dad. Cause there is another guy who's just bigger, who looks exactly like him. No, Go back three panels. The guy looks like that because Popeye bopped him in the head. Oh, and now and he's... crunched him down like an accordion, and now he's just like that for the rest of his life. 
crunch down like a tin can. I see. Yes. Yeah. No, that's wow. that's like a, a phenomenal visual gag. <laughs> that like that guy's just like that now, or at least until he like puts his thumb in his mouth and blows himself back up. Yeah, it's like, it's that's a, really funny. Some cartoon physics. Yeah. The the only thing I really don't like about this is that Popeye has a smartphone. Like, look, I, mean, I know there's a whole like people are like, why is Nancy modern? But I, there's an argument for making Nancy modern, and. That works perfectly. I don't think Popeye should have a smartphone. So you don't think Popeye should be... Do you think Popeye shouldn't have a smartphone, or do you think Popeye shouldn't be set in 2023? The latter. I think Popeye... Okay, so you're, sh- you think Popeye should be taking place in, like, 1934 or whatever? In the 30s or 40s, yeah. Yeah. Perpetually. Because I feel like that's the only world where Popeye makes sense. I don't know, man. They're still longshoremen. I mean, I guess. They're still sea hags. (laughs) I feel like Popeye makes the most sense as like a Navy veteran from the early 20th, 20th century. But that's, that's just me. Nonetheless, I agree that this is a funny joke. This is a funny gag, and a, the way Pappy is depicted as like the middle generation who doesn't care about people is is good. I just want it to is, check and see if Pop. I mean, I guess Popeye is a sailor man and not a longshoreman. He is the sailor man. Yes, you see him a lot on land. True. Yes. But uh, I just went and looked uh, to see if I could pin down what Popeye's job, what Popeye's jobs are. I mean, I guess he's the sailor man. Like I, that was dumb of me to need to go look that up, and I apologize. Uh, but it does say <coughs> uh, Popeye's story and characterization vary depending on the medium. In his debut storyline, Popeye's superhumanly proportioned strength and endurance stemmed from the luck he acquired by rubbing the feathers of the head of Bernice, a wiffle hen, thus enabling him to survive 15 gunshot wounds. Yeah. I don't think I've read this original Popeye origin where he gets shot 15 times like he's fucking Tupac. This is in line with my theory that Popeye is a war veteran. I kind of feel like Popeye only makes sense as a war veteran. The war, the war against the Sea Hag, man. True. Sure. Also, there there are wars, Matt. I, hate, are... I Matt, I hate to be the one to bring this to you. We still have those. Okay, but Popeye's not going to be on a Popeye's not going to be on a modern battleship. Why not? He's not going to be on a nuclear submarine. He's going to because. He's too antiquated. Popeye's a grandpa. Popeye's a Pappy's a grandpa. No, I'm saying he's like our grandpa. He's our grandpa's when they were young. Mm. You know, relatively young. 
Like also, Popeye's got to be of a generation where you looked like that when you were thirty-five. Maybe. I don't know, man. I don't know. Like, how old is Popeye supposed to be? Because if he if if he's living in modern day, he looks like he is sixty. I you're you're judging Popeye a lot by his appearance, and that's a side of you that is new, and I can't say I'm a fan, Matt. <laughs> I was watching an episode of Family Feud where the question was name something I'd name a characteristic of Popeye that a woman wouldn't want her man to have. And it was like chin. Weirdly enough, voice was not one of them. Uh, weird arms was one of the answers. I can't remember all the answers, but one of them was bald. Is Popeye bald? Yeah. I think he has hair. It's just like flesh colored. Like no, Mark he's, he's bald, dude. In one of these earlier, in the strip before this that we were looking at, his, he has his hat off, and it definitely looks like he has hair. I think, I, I mean, I, first of all, I think it's a rude thing to say on Family Feud. Why don't you stick to asking people questions about seeing Grandma naked or whatever? <laughs> Steve Harvey and stop trying to get people to body shame Popeye like Matt Wilson over here. But no, Popeye's Popeye's bald. Okay, well let's he's rank. A, he's got like a crew cut. Crew cut. I I can see crew cut like, for sure. I'm gonna, send, I'm gonna send you a picture here. Popeye is bald. Popeye got Popeye. I mean, like he's got some hair. What would your answer be to that question? It the the thing about what element of Popeye, yeah, would be unattractive. Yeah, I mean, t- tip top number one arms. Okay, but also chin. I, f- it's we it's weird to me that the fact that he lost an eye. I mean, I, again, I don't like. I don't want to be ableist about it, but like, I guess that's just something I wouldn't want to happen to someone. Is yeah. if they get shot fifteen times and lose an eye. Yeah, yeah. And also, like, it's rude to call him Popeye. He also has a weird mouth where it opens on one side of his face, but then the pi- his pipe is coming out of the other side of his face. You no, know, he's got to keep. He's got to keep the pipe in his mouth. If he opens his mouth, the pipe falls out. Sure. It, it, there's a practical element. Man, you know what I could go for? What's that? Popeyes. Uh, yeah. I can really go for some fucking Popeyes. Popeyes is great. By the way, uh, according to uh, this Wikipedia article, his great-grandfather is named Patch-Eye. Okay. And then he's got uh, like then we just saw his grandfather who was not named. Then we've got Pappy. Right. Okay. Interesting. Give me a position. Oh God, sweet, like a grown-up sweet pea showed up in a League of Extraordinary Gentlemen at some point, right? I don't know. I don't, re- I don't recall that. 
but that doesn't mean it didn't happen. Okay. Please, let's rank this. <laughs> let's this rank this. I like this. I like this a lot. Okay, give me give me a, a region of the list. Uh, I'm gonna say I, I think we're in triple digits. I don't think we go into four because at number one thousand we have kind of. I kind of don't want to put anything above number one thousand right now because our, our number one thousand comic is so perfect. It's Crisis. Uh huh. Crisis on Infinite Earth. That's the perfect number one thousand. So, oh, so you're saying it's quadruple digits? Yeah. Well, I want. I, I think it's in triple digits, but I, I think it's better than Crisis. Oh, okay. Well, I think okay. I, I'll just name some other comic strips that we have. In I this would one. rather read this comic strip again than the twelve issues of Crisis on Infinite Earth. Fair. The peanut strip where Spike kills a rabbit is at nine ninety six. I think this is better than that. The last peanut strip, the Sunday strip that is depressing, is at nine ninety four. The deer hunting Calvin and Hobbes strip is at nine eighty nine. I would rather read this than that. I I would too. Calvin and Hobbes violent comics is at nine sixty seven. Yes, if you wonder where we would have ranked that last one, it would have gone exactly right there. Yeah, it's the same joke. It's the same comic, yeah. Yeah, it's the same joke. Nancy cutting the panel border is at 965. I don't think it's as good as that. I don't either. I think it goes right right there. Above Doom Force? No, I think it goes... I I think it goes below Nancy cutting the panel, above Calvin Hobbes' Island Comics. Okay, Doom Force is between those two. Not on my list. At number nine sixty six, I have Doom Force. I have number. I have Nancy at nine sixty six. Doom Force at nine sixty five. Oh no! Oh no! So it looks like we ranked that Nancy strip very recently. That was in March of twenty twenty three. Well, I d- I'm going to see what War Rocket Wiki says. Okay. All right. Because. I think War Rocket Wiki uses the version of the list that you're using. I don't know that War Rocket Wiki uses the public list. I think they might update it uh, independently. Matt, shout out to whoever had to listen to us talk about Popeye's hog <laughs> before really to, to get those accurate rankings. Okay. We're saying, okay, 966. What is 966 on the War Rocket Wiki list? Oh, right. It's changed. Because. Okay, Doom. This, this has Doom Force below Nancy cutting the panel border. I think that's. I don't think that's correct. And above Violent Comics. Okay. I think. I don't think this is as good as Doom Force either. So okay, I so think we put this right under Doom Nancy Force. cutting the panel board. Oh, below Doom Force. Below Doom Force, yeah. Okay, so it will be the new number nine sixty seven. No matter what. Yes. Uh so it's Popeye from eight twenty one twenty two. Uh and I'll just call it Pappy and Dad. I, I said, uh, I called it Pap- Pappy is a Bad Father. <laughs> there may be other strips about that. Uh, but yes, it, that is what it's ultimately about. 
Wait, that was the one from the 28th. That was the one from the 28th? That was the one from the 28th. Okay. Sorry. I just looked at the the way it was labeled. It's one from 28th. So this is the one from the 21st that I'm sending you right now. All right. This one is on all Bluto story. Perhaps surprisingly. About Bluto. You're going to learn about the secret history of Bluto. Why does he wear that bow tie? Okay. Okay. Brutus and Bluto were different people in this strip. Is this is he Bluto's son? Or is he like Bluto's brother? Not sure. But this let's This is a real Andore Andore Jr. situation. Absolutely, yes. All you final fight heads know. Uh all right, this is Popeye from August twenty first, twenty twenty two. Bluto says, just a warning, Brutus, I woke up in a bad mood. Brutus, who is gaming with a gamer headset on <laughs> in an and armchair. An Xbox controller. On an old TV with a with rabbit ears. Says, how's that different from every other morning? He is playing Xbox 360. Yes, because in the next panel, the Xbox is smashed over his head. And he says, you ain't exactly disproven my point. So Maybe that's a PS5, actually. It may be meant to be a PS5. It's hard to say. But whatever the case... Oh, and he's also destroyed the chair. So Bluto is abusive. Whether Brutus is his son or brother, Bluto is abusing Brutus in this. Uh, then Bluto and Brutus are walking down the street. Bluto says, I'm in one of those bad moods that's only fixed by making others miserable too. And then Bluto is tipping over a big uh, barrel of ball bearings into the road where a marathon is happening. Then they walk by a wedding and he says, half of all marriages end in divorce. Good luck. Then he tells a baby, get a job and stop mooching off your folks. Then he puts his feet in a dog water bowl and says, nothing like a foot bath on a hot day. Were you drinking this? Then they stand in front of a hot dog cart. He says, okay, Brutus, let's go fill in all the holes at the golf course. But first, a snack. He says to the hot dog vendor, two dogs with everything, please. And a little extra for the tip jar. Thank you. Brutus says, I don't get it, Bluto. You've been rotten to everyone else. Why be nice to the hot dog guy? Oh. We find out here they're brothers. Yeah, they're actually twin brothers. I did look it up. Bluto says, my sweet, naive brother, here's an important lesson. You can be tough enough to tangle with most people in this world, but you ain't never tough enough to mess with the person preparing your food. I mean, that's that's good advice. It's good advice. That's true. Yeah. I don't think this is a story. I think this is also a gag. Yeah, I don't really think I don't I don't think this is a story either. This is more of this is a fable. You know what this is? A a morality play. It's a it is a G.I. Joe PSA. <laughs> this is a this is an allegory. Yeah, this could end with and knowing is half the battle, and it would make just as much it would be it would fit, you know? 
I'm gonna say we don't rank this one. Uh, yeah. Also, man, I hope Bluto gets his, gets his ass beat for being mean to that dog. Uh, but it is pretty funny to tell a baby stop mooching off your parents and get a job. Yeah, I don't like that he smashed Brutus's game console over his head. Like, Brutus should get out of that situation. I mean, yeah, but I, like, look, I would lay odds that if we joined that scene, like, two minutes earlier, we would have heard a slur. (laughs) Sure, sure. Uh, All right. That is the list from uh, Paul. Thank you, Paul, for sending in that list. Our next list comes from Rocket Witzel, who says, Hey, boys, here's a list of Farside single-panel comics for you to rank. Nope. Hopefully they qualify as stories. They do not. Nope. We're not doing it, Matt. We're not. All right, let me read them out to you, and then we can disqualify them as, as needed. Okay. The first one is the strip, That Good Old Tramp, which I know you've seen, Chris. Yes, it's not a story. The wife chimp finds a blonde hair on the husband chimp's back and asks if he's been conducting a little more research with that Jane Goodall. Okay, that one's not a story. Yeah, uh, apparently uh, people were really mad about that one because uh, they thought he was being very disrespectful to Jane Goodall, but uh, Jane Goodall herself uh, loved it. Loved it, yeah. yeah. Uh, next up is the strip, uh, The Thagomizer. The Thagomizer is a good, that, again, that's a really good gag. That is a really, really good gag. It is not a, uh, not a, a story. If you're not familiar with that strip, a caveman is giving a presentation to other cavemen with like a slideshow mm-hmm. and he's pointing to a bunch of spikes on a dinosaur's tail. And he says, now this end is called the Thagomizer after the late Thag Simmons. I think the funniest thing about it is that the Thag's last name is Simmons. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's the, that's a funny last name for a caveman. Uh, it is a funny last name for a caveman. Again, paleontologists uh, occasionally will refer to that as the Thagmizer now. So these these have had real-world effects, these strips. Yes. Finally is the strip, The Chicken of Depression. I don't remember The Chicken of Depression. All right, I will send you the uh, a, scre- a screenshot of the of the strip certainly sounds Um, like something i would know about a man is sitting on his bed and there's a chicken in his open window and the caption says the bluebird of happiness long absent from his life ned is visited by the chicken of depression damn ned same yeah yeah relatable relatable um i mean look i i will say this about these strips as much as I do not want to rank them, all three of these strips, Rocket, do in fact at least imply a narrative. They do, they do create worlds in which things have happened. Uh, the, you know, 
Thag Simmons being uh, murdered by a dinosaur. Uh, the uh, the dalliance with Jane Goodall. Uh, who who is not? It's like. I just realized that people were saying, like, people think that Gary Larson's like, yeah, Jane Goodall's fucking that gym. That's not what that serves about. No, it's not. I never understood when I was a kid, like, why were they, why were people, like, so upset about that? I get it now. I get it now. Only just now. Um, but yeah, they imply a narrative. They imply a story. They imply actions. Uh, this one implies a story, but that's really sad. Ned looks rough. Yeah, I mean, that is true of many Farside comics. Like, if you try to dig into the narrative, it's it's actually a bummer. Ned's got two empty beer cans on the floor. He, he's punched the mirror. Like... His room is lit by a single exposed light bulb. Yeah. yeah. It's, that's a downer, man. Um, yeah. But yeah, I'm going to say... We gotta stop. We can't. Unlike cow tools, where, like, this cow, who is so far above other cows intellectually, made these tools. That's not what that strip's about, Matt. It is. No, it's not. The, the gag is the, the gag is not that, that this cow is exceptional. It's that these are the tools a cow uses. She is an exceptional cow, and she made these tools, and we don't know what they're for. We did, yeah, we don't know what they're for, but they are not meant to be exceptional. They're <laughs> meant to be cow tools. Uh, I didn't realize that you just didn't understand that strip, Matt. I can't believe you're saying that works of art can't be interpreted by the reader. No, the, no they can't. <laughs> what, what about me would make you think I wouldn't say that? <laughs> All right, Chris, our next list comes to us from Ryan Clark, who says, I won't send bottom shooters anymore. Be the change you want to see. Thank you, Ryan. He also says, I sent in a list of good comics a while ago that I may have labeled incorrectly, so I'll resubmit them. So this is this is them. First is Dark Knight's Death Metal, numbers one through seven. Do you have the machine? Um, I just, You had it for a while. Did you send yeah, it back? I, I mean, I, it, it was yours originally, and I borrowed it. Yeah. Let uh, me look around the office. Oh, wait, I see it. Here it is. Okay. Oh, yeah, I did send it back. I couldn't remember. I, I need to. I've got. I actually got some dice for L. Collins that I need to mail, and so, like, I, I keep forgetting I can just walk to the post office now. So sometimes yeah. I, I forget I. I have the machine. I'll check it. Sent. Yeah. I'll check it. I'll check the machine. Okay. Real quick. Can, the Dark Knights. These are the full title: Dark Knights Death Metal. Oh, it spit out a card. It said rules. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it rules. It's good it as hell. Rules. Yeah. It's, it's great. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> here's, my only qu- here's my number one question, Chris. We have Dark Knight's Metal on the list at number 193. Uh-huh. Is it better, worse, or exactly as good? 
I mean, I don't think it's I don't think it's quite as good. Okay. But it does it does rule pretty hard. It goes so much bigger than metal weirdly for better and worse. I feel yeah, like. it, I believe it's it's one of like six comics where the Justice Society comes back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like it's it's such a big story that it maybe gets a little unwieldy. Uh-huh. Just because of all the tie-ins and stuff. But the main story itself absolutely rules. Yeah, like Superman looking like Commandy and Batman uh, having his Black Lantern ring just in case he dies. And then he dies. And then he's like, yeah, I've been dead this whole time. <laughs> yes, yes. That's pretty good. It's pretty fucking dope. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. When, when Batman's like, by the way, I have been dead this entire time. Okay, this is a story where the Justice Society comes back, but in on Earth Zero, specifically. Yeah. It's not like they're back in the regular DC Universe. They're back on Earth Zero. So it is a little different. Uh-huh. But, yes, the Justice Society does come back. Yeah, also, I'm sorry, but, like, the Batman, who's also the Joker, who's from the universe of bad ideas... Getting Dr. Manhattan powers is fucking funny. <laughs> like, that's really good. Yeah, I mean, this is the series. This is the, the big DC Comics event that does all the bad shit that DC's been doing for the past decade, but makes it good. Yeah. Like, post-apocalypse stories... The Justice Society returning, Watchmen shit, all of that stuff is largely like bad when it happens in DC Comics. Like, oh, get ready! Here's what if Superman was different, you know? <laughs> yeah, but this is the series that does all that well. Yeah, man, it's it just like. Batman leading an army of zombies and Superman looking like Commandy and having uh, one one good arm, one evil arm. Yeah. Oh, that's pretty good stuff. Like it's you know, there's that that different Superman in Flashpoint where he's like all emaciated because the government's been testing him for thirty years or whatever. Uh huh. And that sucks. Yeah. But Superman in this has long hair and one good arm and one bad arm, and it rules. Yeah. It rules. It rules pretty hard, actually. Yeah. Got the Robin King in it. Batman's been dead, and he wears a very awesome leather jacket. Little spikes on his shoulders. You know what this is? This is Batman when he... (laughs) I can't. I can't get through it. (laughs) Because <laughs> the reason I can go through it is this is a joke that's just for you, Matt. Well, it, it hit me with it. This is this is Batman when he becomes the pain maker. 
<laughs> like it introduces the idea of the last 52 it brings superboy prime back what i feel like scott snyder was doing in this comic is he was saying hey we've got all these toys in our toy box and we keep doing shit that isn't fun with them what if it was fun yeah, like, the thing that I like about bo- both Metal and Death Metal is that it's like, hey, what if these stories happened? Like, what if all this dark stuff happened in DC Comics? <laughs> yeah. Like, what if all this stuff happened, but it was still deep, like, because that's what Marvel does, right? Marvel does, like, yeah, there's, like, vampires everywhere, but, you know, Wolverine can be a vampire. And DC just does, like, you know, the dark futures that are bad. And they don't do, like, the dark future that's bad, but also Wonder Woman has an invisible chainsaw. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, they went, like, like, they went right back to it with uh, uh, Dark Crisis, right? Uh-huh. Where it was like, oh, the Justice League is gone, and we're going to try to make a new Justice League, but it keeps failing. And Black Adam's mad at all of us. And Beast Boy is not dead, but he thinks he's dead. And all of this stuff is just a fucking downer. And nothing is fun. And then there's just a deus ex machina at the end that brings the fucking Justice Society back. You know? Like, what if the story was fun the whole way through? Yeah. Like, you you don't have to add stakes by being not fun. You can have a story be high stakes and fun at the same time. I just love a comic that is bold enough to say, like, Homer Simpson brain is what if Watchmen stuff happened in the DC universe? Yeah. Like, what, what if, if Dr. Manhattan was in the DC universe? What if the Normal comedian human brain, was in the Batcave? Yeah. Normal human brain is... What? Let's not do that. Uh-huh. Galaxy brain is y'all are gonna do it anyway. So what if it was the Joker from the the Batman who's also the Joker from the universe of bad ideas, and he also he got Doctor Manhattan powers, so now he has Doctor Manhattan powers. Yeah, man. Like, let's and, just... and he's and his his body is blue and his dicks out. Like, I feel like the difference is so many DC events are like, what if these things happened and it caused problems? You know, what if what if heroes had mental illness and so they have to go to a place to talk about their problems, but then somebody kills them all? Which and, is it's, not, and, and it's Wally West. It's, the it's not fun. And it's not yeah. fun. Have fun. This one is like, what if we just went? What if we just went for it? You know, what if we had uh, fucking King Robin fighting a dead Batman? Fucking Robin King is a hoot, man. Yeah, Robin King, not King Robin. Death Metal. Death Metal is uh, an absolute blast. 
Robin King and his magic utility belt that's like if Adam West's utility belt was evil. That's good. That's that's good ideas. Like I said, my main criticism of it, of death metal, compared to metal, is it's maybe a, it's a little unwieldy. It's a little too much, but then how could it not be? You yeah. know? It's got to be bigger than metal. Yeah. There's just like, with all the tie-ins and everything, and so, so many characters, it's it's a lot to keep up with, but... Yeah, it's not simple like Metal was, which was a book about um, the Ten Metals. About the mantling. Yeah, about the mantling. You know about the mantling. You all know about the mantling. You know how the, the Nth Metal is the Ninth Metal, right? <laughs> and how many humans are Metal humans? <laughs> they just metal didn't have a fifth metal humans is. I say this with absolute, unwavering affection. That's the dumbest thing in DC Comics. I fucking love it. It's dumb, but it's dumb in the best way. Oh yeah, no, it's perfect. It's dumb fun instead of just dumb. Yeah. That's the difference. Yes. Bingo. Coming at it from a sense of fun is so important, and that's what Scott Snyder gets about DC Comics. Yeah, like... Good comics are the best kind of comics. The second best kind of comics are dumb comics. <laughs> yeah. Dumb fun comics. Yeah. The worst kind of comics are bad comics. Yeah. And But, like, even dumb bad comics are better than bad comics that are trying to be smart. Yeah, I think that's true. I think that's true. Or Or bad comics that are trying to be real. Yeah. If I never oh, have to read real. Yeah, if I never have to read another bad comic that's trying to be real in my life, I will be perfectly happy with that. Hey Amen. I hear you. I'm with you. Give me a comic with an invisible chainsaw in it. Yeah. Yeah. That's you know what? That's that's why you and me are like, yeah, we should read some more shonen manga. Let's read Chainsaw Man. Let's read Berserk. That is where that spirit really lies now. And I think it's why manga is so popular. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No kidding. (laughs) Yeah. Like one punch man and my hero academia, the manga that are about like superheroes. Yeah. It's like, cause, cause the people making those comics, because they don't live in the United States and they're not, seeped in superhero fiction they're not embarrassed of being dumb yeah like more comics should be not the th- the good thing about metal and death metal is and and really all of St- scott snyder's work at dc because we're calling the books dumb but scott snyder is not dumb no no, no. scott snyder like scott snyder is very smart Scott Snyder knows that an invisible chainsaw is hilarious. Yes. You gotta be smart to make dumb comics. Yes. And you have to know what will connect. And you have to know, you have to be smart enough and confident enough to not be embarrassed by superhero comics. Yes. By doing things that are dumb. 
because superhero comics inherently are dumb as hell. Go back and read Golden Age comics. Yeah. They're dumb as a brick. The most serious superhero, the one that DC Comics loves and named the company after, is a man dressed as Dracula. Yeah. Yeah, who has bat ears on his head. He has like, bat ears on his head. He's it's a it's a silly concept, right? He's a weirdo who has little bat ears on his head. And and Scott Snyder was smart enough to be like, but what if those were knives? Yes. Yes. Which is not like a everything has to be practical thing. It's a let's make this dumb fun thing. Wouldn't it be awesome if he grabbed his ears and pulled out pulled them out and they were knives? And then also he couldn't hear what you were saying while he had them out. <laughs> That's I love Scott Snyder's comics so fucking much, and that is maybe the single best thing he ever wrote was Batman pulling out his ears to use his knives and then telling, like, Duke says something to him, and then he puts him back in and goes, what'd you say? Now, that is... That is in... uh, That's not in this book, right? That's in All-Star Batman. All-Star Batman, yeah. Yeah, that's a perfect joke. Here's the thing. We are approaching... And it's interesting that you brought up Watchmen earlier and how like Watchmen is maybe ranked too high on this list. I think it's ranked exactly where it needs to be. But we are approaching 40 years of superhero comics that are made by people who are embarrassed of superheroes. Mm-hmm. So much of the output of DC Comics has been, oh, we're not that silly stuff. Aquaman doesn't talk to fish, and he's pissed about it. (laughs) Just fucking let him talk to fish. It's like, who cares if people make fun of it? Who cares if people make fun of Superman wearing his underwear on the outside? It's what he looks like. Yeah, that's what Superman looks like. Stop being embarrassed. Yeah, comics are dumb, and that's great. Yeah. It's not and, comics are dumb and that's bad and we need to fix it. Comics are dumb and that's great. And that's that's what is what Dark Knight's Death Metal and Dark and Metal have that's every DC event since since the new 52 has not had. Since before the new 52. Since Infinite since crisis. crisis. Yeah, since the first crisis really. I mean, yeah, I mean the final crisis like Grant gets it. I mean, yeah, but Final Crisis is still, like, Final Crisis is dark. Yeah, I guess multiversity is an event that isn't embarrassed to be dumb sometimes. Are you talking about that that book that ends with Captain Carrot joining Operation Justice Incarnate? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. But, like, Final Crisis is, Final Crisis is an interesting one because it is, it's, the different approach to to these characters where you've got Grant who's like you know yeah all this dark stuff happens and like you know dark side you know when, when I you know when I speak it's with six billion voices and all that stuff and like you know they burn Martian Manhunter to death you know Libra the hot new villain but also Superman uh, sings a song, and that is what saves the world. Yeah. 
because comics are to be continued. Well, okay. Here's the thing about Grant, now that I'm thinking about it. Because Multiversity has uh, uh, why can't I think of it has Ultra Comics and it has like it has books that are like good and smart. Mm -hmm. They're not dumb comics. Like Ultra Comics might be among the most like good like what I would tell somebody is a good smart comic. No, you know? Ultra Comics is like almost upsettingly smart. In fact, it is upsettingly smart. Yeah, there is some dumb stuff in Grant's comics. Do not get me wrong. Oh yeah, I mean one my, one of my favorite stories is JLA Classified, where they fight Gorilla Grodd. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. And Superman says, "Hey, these uh these cut and dry solutions." don't really make sense in a world full of talking telepathic super gorillas. But it's like, it's like meta and self-aware, mm -hmm. right? It's like, it's like a postmodern grants. Superhero comics are postmodern. Yes. Largely. They're delivered to you with a wink. They're like, we know this is dumb, but we're having fun, right? We know they're like, we know this is dumb, but you have to, like, that's the price of admission. Yeah. The price of admission is that no one recognizes Superman when he puts his glasses on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But If but, you can't deal with that, you're not going to have a good time here. But Grant is often delivering that kind of stuff with a wink, right? Yeah. Go back to cop school kind of stuff. <laughs> Snyder is pulling it back. Like, I, I, not to say that there's not a self-awareness to death metal. Because there is. But it's not... I wouldn't call death metal postmodern. Yeah. You know? It, it, it doesn't feel like it. It's, it's earnestly dumb. And I love that about it. Agreed. Yeah. Uh, so let's rank it. I, I agree that it's probably below metal, and it's probably below Last Night on Earth, which is right below that. Last Night on Earth is also great. Last Night on Earth, that was like, oh, it's so good. But it's focused. It's focused in a way that Death Metal yeah. isn't. Uh, Court of Owls is at 200. I think this is below that, too. But I could put it like in the 200 somewhere, probably. Yeah. Um, let's see. 200 is the, is the lowest lane strips from Hark of Agrant. Those are pretty good. Those are pretty good. Yeah, three hundred one is Super Duper Man, which is maybe the first superheroes are dumb and that's bad story. <laughs> well, it's it it yeah, it was a parrot. I mean, you know, it's inherently a parody of superheroes. I would put it above that. Death metal. Yeah, I think so. I think so. So we're putting it the new number three hundred one. Yeah. All right. So. Dark Knight's Death Metal goes at the new number 301. Also, we talked a lot about Scott Snyder. Greg Fuller draws the hell out of that book, too. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Now, quick question. Are we including just issues one through seven or all the tie-ins, too? Uh, I think we're just including numbers one through seven. Okay. Because the tie-ins were not all the same creative team. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, number two, we've already ranked. It's Immortal Hulk. That's a good comic. 
It is. It is. Uh, number three on Ryan's list is X-Men 2019, number 11, by Jonathan Hickman and Lydiel Francis Yu, which is an impure, impure tie-in. Impure. It is the issue where Magneto wrecks fucking house. Man, I, I know I read most of Impure. I mean, I know I, I read... call this issue happening. I know I read most of that Hickman X-Men run. Yeah. Like, immediately post um, House and Powers. Yeah, the Hawkbox. I'm pretty sure I was still on those. Let's see. Issue 11... It's also on the path of X of Swords, or Cross of Swords, or Ten of Swords, however you want to put it. Oh, I've definitely read this issue. Right, let's see. Let's see what happens in Impure. So this is, a, this is the issue with the Summoner. Oh, it's like a funeral pyre. Yeah, 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 yeah. I get it. Yeah. That's it. That's it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What happens in this issue is Magneto fucking wrecks house. What number? Number 11. Oh, number 11. Sorry, I was looking at number 10. It was all about Vulcan. Uh, yeah, let's, yeah let's, that's let's different. Look at, let's look at number 11 here. So, Summoner is just at the beginning. The rest of the issue is... Oh, Krakoa. yeah, this has got some Morocco shit in it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Krakoa is invaded by the um, the tree people from Empire, <laughs> whose names I forget what they're called. Uh, they're they're those people who are basically trees, and uh, Magneto just like f- fucks them up real bad, and then drops a satellite on one of them. Yeah, I remember us talking about this when it came out, actually. <laughs> yeah that this is you know what happens in this one Matt something raw um Magneto puts on his real clothes he does yes yes Magneto goes in and puts his real clothes on god when he drops the multiple satellites on the dude uh huh that's good that's real good. Oh, the Kotati. That's what they're called. The Kotati. And it's like, yeah, the, the leader of the Kotati is like, do you know all I've done? Do you, you're our food. Do you not understand what you are? Like, I am your superior in every way, and you can't fight fate. You must, if you're going to stand and fight, then you better fight. And then Magneto just says, I already have and I've already won. And then the satellite falls on the dude. And then three more satellites fall on him. Yeah, then he like throws the satellite off and then another satellite falls on him and then another satellite falls on him. It's a fucking Looney Tunes. It's a full Looney Tunes bit. Because here's what's great. You could have just done it once. Yeah. You could have just done it once. That is not how Jonathan Hickman's mind works. This is the issue where Magneto's like, y'all made me go back and be the old me. Yeah. 
every now and then, I look. I know I'm the proponent of real clothes. I know I, I'm out here saying you gotta the Batman gotta wear his real clothes, Spider Man gotta wear his real clothes. But you know what, Matt? Sometimes you gotta not wear your real clothes so that you can put your real clothes back on. True. Well, and then when you put your real clothes back on, you get to do shit like this. <laughs> well, I mean, it's I think it's will it's it's reasonable to believe that Hickman planned this out, right? Because mm-hmm. the the Magneto who wore who wears the the Krakoa outfit, the white and black outfit, that's a different guy. Yeah, you know. Yeah, this is the this is the old Magneto. This is the old Magneto. This Magneto sunk that submarine. <laughs> yeah, that's this right. Magneto lived on a fucking asteroid. This Magneto put Red Skull in a hole. This Magneto did put Red Skull in a hole. Oof, boy, did he! Man, yeah, this issue uh, rules. Actually, <laughs> yeah, this is pretty dope. Magneto, oh. pretty fucking cool, dude. Yeah, man. This yeah, man. shit would do pretty well on Thursday Night Raw. The dropping of the satellites is fucking raw as hell. Specifically, the dropping of the second and third satellites. Let's see. I think I think he drops two on him first, and then he tosses those away, and then he drops three more, <laughs> <laughs> or maybe two more, uh, and it's- then he's like. Apologize, apologize to Sage for wrecking her satellites. Yeah, that's another great thing. They're mutant satellites. They're the X Men satellites. <laughs> he didn't take anybody else's. He just used the shit they already had. Yeah. Uh, they're well, weather, they're weather satellites, and they are set up earlier in the issue. <laughs> yeah. Magneto. There's also a great line in this where. Uh, uh, he's like, yeah, uh, magma's bringing 20 tons of liquid iron to the surface. And he tells uh, Iceman to cool it down. And Iceman goes, not a problem. Might be brittle, though. And Magneto goes, broken metal with sharp edges. Whatever will I do with that? And then he fucking kills so many of these tree dudes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's, that's some fucking berserk shit. Like, if you're going to do a tie-in issue... This is this is the perfect example of how to do a tie-in issue right. Because, like, you know, it's the Kotati. They're part of the Empire. They're fucking up stuff on Earth while all the scroll Kree stuff is going on in space, right? Mm-hmm. And they're creating complications on Earth for the 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 Kree and the scrolls. But it could be anybody. Really. Because this issue is ultimately about Magneto having to go go back to his old 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 shit. But the thing is, the, the thing that's different is Magneto goes back to being the old him, and then the mutants like rally around him. Like once he drops those satellites on that kotati leader the rest of the x-men are ready to go and they're fighting and the last issue of the image is magneto surrounded by the other mutants who are 
beating the shit out of the other Kotati who are still there. That's that rules. Yeah, it owns. It owns pretty hard. I just love it. Like they come and get Magneto, and he's like, "They're like, hey, Magneto, there's aliens." And he's like, "Aliens, so not human, because we have a rule where we can't kill humans." And they're like, "No, it's aliens." And he's like, "Cool, where's my red clothes? Yeah, where's that <laughs> pizza hut outfit? Let me put on my real clothes. Let me put on my real clothes for a second. I've been wearing, I've been wearing my uh, Jonathan Hickman outfit for a while. Let me put on my real clothes." The actual title of this issue is One War, One Mutant. That's pretty badass. That's pretty badass. It's also issue 11. That's pretty good. Jonathan Hickman, clever. He, th- he, th- he thinks it out. Clever. Ugh. Let's rank it. On the road to X of Swords. Yes. Yeah, I man, it's pretty good. <laughs> I'm like, this is one of those ones that makes me happy talking about it. You know, yeah, it's it's great. It's great. Is it better than the Uncanny X Men issue where Kitty Pride says Professor Xavier is a jerk? Probably not. That's at number three eighteen. That's a good one. That is a good one. Yes. I don't, is it? Go ahead. I don't think it's as good as. As like JLA Prometheus Unbound, which is the Prometheus story, where he, that ends with um, Prometheus getting whipped in the dick, which we were informed I was correct. Yes, the panel as originally lettered did, did not, not have a sound effect covering up. Catwoman has the technology; she does, but I guess it was forced to be censored by DC Comics. So, where's what number is that on the list? Uh, that is at number uh, 339. Okay. Is it better than... At number 350 is Mouse. I mean, at look, number, I'm not taking anything away from Mouse, but I know which one I would rather read. Uh, sure. Uh, at number 352 is the first seven issues of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Damn, those are also really good. Secret Wars 2015 is at number 360. I don't think it's that good. Secret Wars 2015 is good as fuck. Yeah. Number 400 is Usagi Yojimbo, The Bridge. Oh, The Bridge, though, Matt. The Bridge is great. The Bridge is great. Matt, you know about about Bushido, right? I do. Okay, here's where I think... I think it's above... Amazing Spider-Man number 797 to 800. So a good on swinging? The story where Peter fights the Red Goblin, yeah. The Red, the red Goblin, that's Norman Osborn with Carnage. That's right. <laughs> hey, comics are dumb, and they're great, and I love them. Like, look, there's lots of valid criticism of Dan Slott to go around. Dan Slott is another writer, though, who knows that comics are dumb. And that's fun. Yes. Correct. That's all I'll say. That's all I'll say. Is this better than Afterlife with Archie Volume 1? I would argue yes. I. It's hard to say, because that is a book that did change the direction of an entire company and true. lead to like a seven-season television show. True. True, true, true. 
Like, that is a book whose influence we are still feeling. All, all true. I would be okay with putting it right below that, above Criminal Last of the Innocent. I think so that's a good idea. At the new number 411. So, a hundred away from amber being the color of its energy. I was going to say, if you go to 311 and then you go down, down. <laughs> is X-Men 2019 number 11. One mutant, one war. Or, one, one war, one mutant. Sorry. One war, one mutant. And I'm just typing that in, and we have it. Okay. That is the list from Ryan. Thank you, Ryan, for sending in that list. That was a fun one. Our next list is from Robert Headley, who has some good ones for us. Uh, Have we ranked Death of Doctor Strange? Uh, I don't know. We've talked about it a lot. Death of... Yeah, it's at number 260. That's a good comment. Um, so that is that is third on Robert's list. So that one we can uh, disqualify because we've already ranked it. But first on Robert's list is the Daniel Warren Johnson Beta Ray Bill miniseries. That's good shit. That is good shit. You talking about the comic where uh, Beta Ray Bill hits the Rainmaker? The very same. The very same. You talking about the comic where Scuttlebutt, who's a ship, uh-huh. gets, a, gets a body, and it's like a lady body, and Scuttlebutt's like, I'm kind of in love with Beta Ray Bill. And Beta Ray Bill's like, that's my ship. That's my spaceship. <laughs> This like, is the book that I have, I have no feelings for this spaceship other than it is my spaceship. Correct. This is the book that kicks off with Beta Ray Bill whipping Fin Fang Foom's ass. That's the first thing that happens. Yeah. Buddy? Hey, congrats to Daniel Warren Johnson for winning the Eisner for uh, Do a Powerbomb. It should have just straight up won Best Miniseries. It's Uh, weird that it won Best Series for Teens. Yeah, I wouldn't have have thought that was a series for teens, but you know what? Whatever. Like, there's nothing wrong with being a series for teens. Teens read a lot of comics. Get that Raina Tegelmeyer money. Sure. But do a powerbomb is extraordinarily bloody. <laughs> do a powerbomb is also like for you and me. Yeah. And yes. we are not teens. We are t- absolutely not teens. Oh, uh, I guess yeah. teens are. I just sent you that. I just sent you that shot of Barry Bill doing the Rainmaker. Oh, I, I, it's burned into my memory. Daniel do Warren, not... I'm going to say it right now. Daniel Warren Johnson, Gordy Award winner. Intercontinental champion in t- going into 2024. That is that is a foregone conclusion. Yes, I mean, didn't he win it last year? Did he? He might have. I mean, War Rocket Wiki actually does keep up with this. So I, I know that it's on the it's on the notable episodes page. Yeah, 
Daniel um, Warren Johnson was the 2023 winner. Did of, win the 2023 one, yeah. Maybe he's going to back-to-back. Maybe he's going to defend that title. Well, Zeb Wills got the briefcase. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah, this Beta Ray Bill series is fucking great. Yeah. So many attempts at doing a Beta Ray Bill series don't really get that what we like about Beta Ray Bill is that he's a horse monster. And that he believes himself to be unfuckable. True. And that's turn him back into like a regular guy. Just like that's Beta Ray Bill. That's his deal. We haven't even talked about Scourge coming back. Scourge is in this. I mean, he doesn't come back in this, but he's in it. He's in Right. He's in it. He's in it. There's an extended sequence of uh, Beta Ray Bill and Scuttlebutt playing ping pong. Yeah. Um, the last issue that's just Beta Ray Bill fighting uh, Surtur, the the fire giant, the nearly destroyed Asgard, in what is very clearly a tribute to the seven-star, one-hour time limit draw Kenny Omega versus Kazuchika Okada match. <laughs> like, literally, Surtur hits the V-trigger and then hits the Rainmaker. <laughs> yes. Yes. And then Scuttlebutt turns into a, like, like, mile-long gun. And Scourge gets to shoot Surtur. Right. It's good, Matt. It's, it's so good. It's good. The art, like, we talked about you know why shonen manga might be so popular right now, and Daniel Warren Johnson doesn't draw in a manga style, but he might be doing the closest thing to in American comics to manga. It has it has that shonen fight energy, yeah, which is like here's the thing. You and I like media where people kick ass. And the thing is, a pro wrestling match can show you somebody getting their ass kicked in a way that that cannot be done in any other medium. And a kung fu movie can show you somebody getting their ass kicked in a way that's completely different. And a comic, like a good fight comic, can show you somebody just kicking ass in a way that like no other median can duplicate and they are all beautiful in their own ways. And when they're done well, they're so, they're so good. And it does not like fight comic wise. It does not get better than this Daniel Warren Johnson beta Ray bill miniseries. Except for do a power bomb. I don't know, man. I, the, I think the fight between Surtur and Beta Ray Bill in this last issue is fucking incredible. I think Do a Powerbomb is better than this, but only Daniel Warren Johnson could top himself. I mean, Matt. I mean, Matt. I'm just going to send you real quick this just this, this page I, of I, Surtur hitting the rain, hitting the V trigger. 
I mean, look I, at that. I've, I've seen it. It's good. It's very good. It's so good. I just think I, I'm going to go ahead and tip my hand that I think do a power bomb is better. Like that is a book with many, many wrestling moves. <laughs> look, I agree. Do a power bomb is a better comic, but I think fight wise, this is like one of the top 10 fights in comics. I, I mean, you're not wrong. Just it's, this entire issue. It's incredible. It's incredible. So, so where, where's this beta Ray bill series going to land? Well, we don't have do a power bomb on the list yet. We don't, we don't because we're doing lists from September, t- 2022 when that book yeah. was not finished. Um, I mean, I think it's pretty good. I don't think it's, I think do a power bomb is top 100 and we will have to have a real discussion about where it lies in there. Very the Bayley so. Bill series is fucking great. I don't think it's like that level. Uh, like I'm thinking again, it's a very top heavy list. I don't think it's as good as the Sagio Jimbo the Bridge. That's at number four hundred. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's as good as Captain America Seeing Red, which includes Captain America number three fifty, which is also top ten fight comics of all time. True. Yeah. So I, I uh, that's at number four twenty nine. At five hundred, we have the Mark Russell Peter Snebjerg, uh the monster serials. Is is Beta Ray Bill better than Mister Boop? Yes. Wow. I guess I will not give you this T-shirt that I have. It <laughs> says I will never say. Another comic is better than Mr. Proof. I I think it's better than Karate Prom. I think it's better than Batman 666. I think it's better than Goody Rickles. I think it's better than Marvel Universe The End. Uh, I think it's better than those Farsighted Peanut Strips. Better than Daredevil Fighting a Vacuum Cleaner, even though that rules. Is it better than the Daredevil Acts of Vengeance story, where Daredevil fights Ultron with a stick? And and a pickup truck. Sorry, I, I almost forgot that Daredevil drives a fucking pickup truck into Ultron in that story, and that owns. I, I could put it right below that. I think it's better than that Sergeant Rock story, for sure. Okay. So that would put it at the new number 478. I mean, maybe we put it above, because that story does have Gorgon and Karnak in it, and this story doesn't, and I think that's a feature. Um, okay, so this The goes... technology simply was not there for John Romita Jr. to draw the Rainmaker. <laughs> so it goes time. below, it goes to the new number 477. Yes. Because I don't think it's as better than Return of Bruce Wayne. Uh, that Beta Ray Bill miniseries is from 2021. What a good-ass comic. What a great comic. All right, Beta Ray Bill 2021 is new number 477. Second on Robert's list is Superman Year One, which I uh, did not read. I did, didn't I? Oh, no, that's the Frank Miller one. That's the Frank Miller, John Romita one, yeah. Yeah, that's the Frank Miller one where, like, where 
like Superman fights terrorists? It is from 2019. It was one of the first Black Label books, as I recall. Or a fairly early Black Label book. Yeah, but... I guess Black Label had been around for a little while before that, but... Here's what I have to say about that. No thanks. No thanks. It's another Superman origin retelling. (laughs) From the team that no one asked. I mean, look, it's... If you love, you know, Daredevil Man Without Fear. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's true. I mean, look, you know, honestly, ain't nothing wrong with that art. It is a very much a Daredevil Man Without Fear take on Superman. Mm-hmm. He, he wears a hood. Like Matt Murdock in Man Without Fear. <laughs> it's, you know, it is Three what it is. issues. So weird. Three, three big prestige issues. Yeah. Yeah, Superman um, like joins the army in this, or the navy, I guess. I don't care for that. Yeah, I, I never... I know about it to a degree, but I never read it. And I probably won't. Yeah, um, I won't, because I don't even know how this comic exists. Considering, you know, the tragedy the that, that fell Frank Miller in 1993. He got lost in the fact he was triangle. lost in the Bermuda Triangle. Yeah, and I have satellite photos have shown that he is happy. That he and John Byrne are safe and happy on a farm where they can run and play as much as they want. <laughs> it's fucking weird that Superman joins the Navy in this. It's fucking weird. Why would he do that? Because if you have to get into a sparring match with another recruit and you accidentally knock their head off. Like, I mean, I guess the idea is that Superman can pull back his strikes to not actually hurt somebody. But like, the whole idea is that Superman needs to remain in a type of hiding. And being in the United States military is not the way to do that. Also, yeah, he does absolutely fight terrorists in this. There's a whole page of a bunch of terrorists with their heads being shot. He doesn't shoot their heads, though. No, but it is in the Superman comic. Yeah. This black label Superman comic. That means you can show his dick. But they don't. They just show a bunch of... Uh, Middle Eastern people with holes in their head. I can't believe that, like, there was that comic that had Batman's Ding Dang in it. Uh huh. And, and, like, people were all like, what? Batman's dick is in this comic. And then, like, I went and saw it. I went and saw what it looked like. Because, of course, I did. Of course, I did. What am I going <laughs> to do? That's information about Batman I didn't have. That's research, yeah. Come on. And then I get to it, and it's just like the the, the most cowardly like outline, like shadow. It's in shadow, yeah. Of like maybe that's a dig, and I'm like, how dare you? Make it a full page, well lit, 
splash page fully erect. Yeah. I mean, look, don't do that because he is a cartoon <laughs> character for children. But if you're going to do it, do it. If you're going to do it, yeah, full, fully nude except the cowl fighting Ra's al Ghul. Naked. Yeah. And yeah. both of them are just fully, fully erect. Oh, did you know that the Superman in your one book just redoes Batman v Superman? Uh, no, but that's a weird little Arabaros. That is quite an Arabaros. It's a uh, quite at the end. Batman shows up. He's got a gun. He shoots Superman in the chest a bunch of times. He tells him how he's. He does, I'm sorry. He does what? He shoots him in the chest with a gun a bunch of times. They fight each Francis. other for a while. They fight each other for a while, and then woman sh- Wonder Woman shows up and is like, stop. Literally what happens. Francis. I'm just telling you what happens. At the very end of Superman Year One. Francis Robocop Miller. I know you know better. <laughs> I know you know better than that. Come we on. have we have two backups from Robert, and I'll let you take your pick from these two. Okay. New X Men Assault on Weapon Plus. Uh huh. And Wednesday Comics Strange Adventures. I th- can't remember if we ranked that or not. Uh, I cannot remember a thing about it. So it was my favorite of the Wednesday Comics. I don't remember what my favorite of the Wednesday Comics was. Uh, I'm trying to remember who did that Strange Adventures story in Wednesday Comics. Oh, it was it was. Uh, oh, maybe it wasn't my favorite. It was Paul Pope. Oh yeah, I kind of remember that one now. I remember it being good. Yeah, I remember it being like a Paul Pope comic. Yeah. So you know, um, I I think I'm misremembering that it was my favorite of the. Strange Adventures stories. Remember when when uh, we all got fired from Comics Alliance? And I'll never forget. I was at C two E two. Yeah, I, it was um, six weeks before my wedding uh-huh. uh, on a Friday, and I was called and told I no longer had a job. Uh, but uh, I remember, like, do you remember Paul Pope? Uh, like, he tweeted something weird. I remember it. It was it was a comics defiance greater than sign comics alliance, and I remember I think it was David Brothers uh, said something to him, and he was like, "No, I meant that positively towards you guys," <laughs> and it was like, "That's nonsense." Like I'm not mad at him about it, but it's like that's nonsense. I guess he meant. I guess he was talking about the organization. I guess he was talking about AOL. Who had fired us all? Uh, no that that was this was the second time. This was the second time. This okay, was the second time. So he was talking about Town Square Media, which had fired us all. Yes. Um. Maybe that maybe that's what he meant. Like Comics Alliance is an organization, not the people who had been fired. But uh, not exactly clear. 
Not exactly. Yeah, it was clear. not clear what he meant by that. Yeah. Uh, anyway, which one do you want to rank? Do you want to rank Assault on Weapon Plus or? I don't remember Strange Adventures, so we got to talk about Assault on Weapon Plus. Okay. Hey, Let's Matt. hear it. Uh-huh. Uh, yep. Can I ask you a question? Uh, please. What if that X was a 10? <laughs> uh, no, what if it was? What if that X was a 10, though? What huh? if it was? Huh? 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 That X that, like, the X-Men have? What if that was a 10, though? And that was the next 20 years of X-Men comics? Weapon 10. What if it was Weapon 10? Yeah. And not just Weapon Cool Letter. I love that. That's so good. Yeah, this is, I mean, here's the thing about uh, Assault on Weapon Plus. It's good. It's good? It's, it's, it's Graham Morrison and uh, Chris Bogolo. It's good. It's is it the introduction of Phantom X or was Phantom X around before that? I think Phantom X is around before, but but this is when he like really gets involved. Yeah, Th- this is where he's like, "Hey, hey, help me assault Weapon Plus." <laughs> hey, I'm going to do an assault on Weapon Plus. <laughs> uh. This got that that like prologue issue that starts in the Hellfire Club, which is was really good. Yes, and it also um, ends on a pretty cool cliffhanger because yeah. Weapon Plus is destroyed with Wolverine inside. Spoiler: He's not dead, but there's a question of whether he might be. Yeah. Because as they're assaulting Weapon Plus, they find a system with a bunch of files on it. Files that show that Weapon 1 was Captain America, by the way. Yeah, Weapon 1 being Captain America, that's good stuff. Weapon 0 being uh, Isaiah Bradley, that's good stuff. Weapon 3 or 4 is like Nuke. <laughs> yeah, he's up in there. But eventually Wolverine finds like information about himself. And he's like... Oh, I can actually learn some things about myself. And while that's like Cyclops and Phantom X are like, oh no, he uh, he blows it up while he's on it. That's right. It's pretty dope. It's a pretty dope Wolverine moment. Yeah, he also calls uh, Cyclops Slim. A lot in this, which I wish people did more. People that, hadn't done that in a long time when this book came out. That happens throughout New X Men. Yeah, call him Slim. Wolverine calling Cyclops Slim. There's that issue where they're like drinking at a bar together, and he keeps calling him Slim. Yeah, that's that's the first. That's 142. That's the first part of the story. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. Nuke. Uh, the. Uh, the last thing Wolverine says before he blows up the the station, he's telling, you know, one of the robot guards, like the the robot's like, "What is the purpose of life?" 
And Wolverine says, let's just say some of us were born to kill and raised to kill, and that's the only damn thing we're any good for. Everything else is just lies we tell ourselves. You're asking me about the purpose of life, you shit. Genocide machine? Fucking it's genocide like, machine. It's like this, and then he blows the blows the place up. It's yeah, uh, pretty fun. fucking good. Pretty fucking fun. Yeah. yeah. It's, I, I don't think it's as good as Murder at the Mansion. I don't think it's as good as Ride at Xavier's. Neither do I. I think it's better than Here Comes Tomorrow. It is better than Here Comes Tomorrow, yes. Which is the last new X-Men story. Yeah. That's at 1023. I uh, think it's I think it's considerably better. I don't think is it as good it's is it as good as Planet X? That's the first story. Um no. Well, ES for Extinction is at number five. Oh, ES for Extinction is the first story. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, what's what's Planet X? Planet X. I think that's a Magneto story. Oh, Planet X is the is is the 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 Magneto. Planet X comes tomorrow. Yeah, Planet X is the reveal that Magneto was Zorn. Planet X is the story that we really liked, and people were like, hey, did you forget about these things? And we were like, hey, what's that over there? <laughs> we were like, yes, we did. <laughs> yes, we did. It still has some good qualities. I don't I'm, think it's as good as it is for Extinction. I think it's better than Imperial, which is at number 991. I think it's better than Planet X. You think it's better than Planet X, which is pretty high. Yeah, it's, uh, I really like Assault on Weapon Plus. I really like Phantom X. Yeah, I do too. I do too. Like, I think it's. I think it's really like. I mean, it's such a like. It's so weird to be like, yeah, no one had ever made the X Ten before. <laughs> it's like it was right there in front of us. It was all right there. You know, it's like we were talking about with uh, with Patton Oswalt and uh, Jordan Bloom the other day. It's like, that was there the whole time, and, and you could have done it. And you could have done it, but you didn't. But you didn't. Okay, if it's above Planet X, I think it's just above Planet X. So you think it's not as good as uh, Sandman the Kindly Ones? Yeah. Mm. Okay. So... That puts it at the new number 394. All of these new X-Men stories are so bunched up on the list. They're, but they're pretty good. They're of relatively equal quality. I like... I think people should retell these stories the way we tell them, which is where Phantom X shows up and goes, Hey, I'm going to do an assault on Weapon Plus. <laughs> All right, that's going to have to do it for this uh, Every Story Ever special. What a fun time. What a fun time. If you would like to send us an Every Story Ever list, with the caveat that we do have a backlog of lists, uh, you can do it at our email address, which is warrocketpodcast at gmail.com. You can also get in touch with us there about other things. You can also join our Discord, which would be uh, very cool. It's a great community of fans of War Rocket Ajax. Uh, just ask us for an invitation by email. You can tweet at us at WarRocketPod. You can ask us on Tumblr at WarRocketPodcast.tumblr.com. 
or uh, yeah, I guess those are the ways to get in touch with us. Um, so go to any of those places and ask us for uh, an invite to the Discord. Oh, you can go to our Patreon as well. Patreon.com slash Ajax is the place where you can go to kick in as little as $1 a month to make sure that these two-hour Every Story Ever specials happen every single month, that we do the weekly War Rocket Ajax show, that we do Comics Catch-Up every month where we read Berserk, and that we do Movie Fighters and Snacks Situation 2. All of our shows are made possible by those donations over on Patreon. So help us out there if you can. If you can't help us out there, a five-star review on the podcasting app that you use, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, would help us out a whole bunch, too. If you want to find me and my stuff, I'm at mattdwilson.net. It's where you can find links to my books, my comics, my other podcasts, and my social medias. Chris, where can people find you? Everybody can find all my stuff by going to the-isb.com. That is my website, and it has links to all the things that I do. Thanks for listening, everybody. I think we've drawn a line this time when it comes to comic strips. Yeah, I, folks, I'm done. I'm not doing them anymore. <laughs> I don't want to do them, so we're not going to do them. It has to be, you have to be sure that it's a story. It has to be a story and not a joke. Yes. So, because we did rank that one Popeye strip. We did. We did. So, if it's a story, we'll rank it. But if it's just a gag, the the line must be drawn here. As Chris's dad, Jean-Luc Picard, once said. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. See you next month, everybody. Bye, everybody. Forever, 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 ever, forever, Yes! From this day on, as every breed of mongrel lived together.